Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. All right, let's start over again. I didn't have my mic on. I was just asking, what do you think about my mask? Uh, uh, Anything that covers up my face is probably an improvement. Sister Diane Gray made this for me. And the reason I put it on this morning, the reason I put it on just for a moment, and I'll take it off, is because if you're 65 or older as I am, don't be too proud to put one of these on. If you have to go to the grocery store, if you have to be in some public place, put the mic, I mean, put this on and, and use it. And by the way, this is not a sign that you're not trusting God. This is a sign that you're being smart and you're being precautious. Now, I'm going to take this thing off. Whew, that thing is warm. And, but they say it will actually do the trick. Well, I'm excited about being back in the pulpit this morning and, and, and preaching to you guys. I want to talk to you this morning about having church. Having church. Now, I thank God, as Brother Bill and others have already said, I thank God for this medium of communication, the technology that we have to go right into your very homes, to get to your telephone, your iPad, your television set, and share the gospel with you. I thank the Lord for that. But what I want you to know is we think about having church, and that is that the means we're using right now, though it is a substitute, it's a very poor substitute for the gathering of the redeemed of the Lord in one place. It's a poor substitute for us meeting together and having church. People gathering together who love the Lord and who want to worship Him. Now, this is a difficult time we're going through because we are missing out on something beautiful and something glorious. The dynamics that take place when the body of Christ meets together, when the redeemed are in the very same place, the same location, uh, with one heart, one mind, one accord, in one place. We're missing out on having church. Now, every now and then, someone will say to me, or I will read this, or hear somebody make this statement, and they will say this. They will say, I can have church on my boat while I'm fishing. Listen up now, because I'm going to teach you something out of God's Word. I I can have church when I'm in my, my hunt stand, and I'm out in the woods by myself. I can have church at home right by myself. I don't have to come to church to have church. Well, actually, that's just not true. In reality, you cannot do that. Now, let me tell you what you can do. You can have faith all by yourself, but even then, if you're around other people with faith, it'll strengthen your faith. But you can have faith all by yourself. You can have a deep down 
personal and intimate experience with the Lord Jesus Christ all by yourself. But then even according to the Bible, you would want to share that with others and encourage them. You can have fellowship with the Lord all by yourself. You can, you can walk with the Lord all by yourself. You can hear His voice all by yourself. In fact, sometimes we do need to get along with no one else around to hear the voice of the Lord. You can pray, sometimes maybe even do your absolute best praying when you are all by yourself. You can study the Word of God when you're all by yourself. You can be taught by the Holy Spirit when you're all by yourself. But what you cannot do when you're all by yourself is you cannot have church. You cannot have that glorious, dynamic experience of being together with other Christians in one room, in one place, and celebrating the faith. You just can't. Now, there's a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, and Simon Peter was the spokesman here that shed some light on this. This is what it says in Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now what Jesus said is, on this rock, and if you study it in context, you will see what that rock is. It was actually a confession, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. Now here's what's important to understand. And that is, that when Jesus used the word church, he used the word ecclesia. And ecclesia was uh, a secular word commonly used in the Greek language. They used it all the time. Jesus was using a very familiar word when he said, I will build my ecclesia. They knew exactly what that meant. Uh, listen to a few definitions of the, of the Greek word ecclesia. Here's the first one. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly of the people convened at the public place. Now, here's another definition. Those who anywhere in a city, village, constitute such a company and are united into one body. The word ecclesia means a gathering of people becoming one as it were. And then here's a final definition. You can find many of these if you look for them. Here's another one. Ecclesia, Greek, ecclesia, gathering of those summoned in ancient Greece, assembly of citizens in a city-state. So when Jesus used the word ecclesia, his disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about a gathering. And when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, the word ecclesia was well known. What gave it distinction was this, is Jesus said, it will be my ecclesia. It will be my gathering. It will be unlike all the other gatherings that take place in the world. This will be a unique gathering. 
This will be a gathering of the redeemed. This will be a gathering of the saved, the called out ones. This will be a gathering of my family coming together before me to worship me and to worship the heavenly Father. Jesus was talking about what we call church, the gathering of his people. Now, when I hear people say, I can have church all by myself, that just doesn't make a drop of sense. Not any whatsoever. You you see, that would be like saying, I'm going to get together with all my friends and I'll do it right by myself. That makes no sense. You see, it's the church. It's the gathering. Now, this gets really exciting when you start looking at it in context and understand that Jesus made some specific promises to the ecclesia, to the gathering. Now, there are many promises that can be claimed on an individual basis, but Jesus makes some promises to the gathering. Uh, The first one is in the verse I just read to you. Upon this rock I will build my church, and listen, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. The gates of hell won't be able to stand up against the church. The church, when it comes together, when my people come together in one place, they assemble together, they become one body, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. I have believed for many years now that the church of Jesus Christ is a sleeping giant. I believe it is a sleeping giant that has more power than it has ever dreamed possible. And if that sleeping giant ever wakes up and realizes how much power it has, I'm telling you the gates of hell will begin to fall near and far and wide. Those gates will come down. Jesus gave it a promise. I'll put my church together, and when they come together in one accord, in one place, then my power will be with them, and they will have power, overcoming power, and the gates of hell will begin to fall. Here's another promise to the church, and this is found over in the 18th chapter of Matthew, and it's one you've heard from me, River of Life, many, many times. It says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, gathered together, there it is again, that gathering of the people of God, not just a person out on their own, but people coming together as the church. This is what he said. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Listen, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus shows up. Now, I want to tell you, when, when we have church, when, and it doesn't, I'm not just talking about river of life, I'm talking about the church around the globe, when God's people come together to have church, Jesus shows up. I can give you a real good reason to go to church. Jesus goes to church. Jesus does not miss church. He shows up at his church, and he's present. And and what makes it so wonderful is when we meet here and churches meet around the world, our Lord shows up. His presence is felt. We know he's in the house, and that makes it awesome. There there have been many times in my life, uh, this is no exaggeration, there have been many times in my life when I have spiritually been in a dry place, where I prayed and read my Bible, but I just felt distant. I was in a dry place. But I'd go to church anyway, because I knew I was supposed to. And when I'd get to church, 
just walking in to the presence of the people of God, I was able immediately to drink water from the wells of salvation. Immediately I was refreshed by the holy presence of the Lord himself. Couldn't get there by myself. I was in a dry place. I came to church dry, but when I left, I left refreshed. Why? Because Jesus was there. Oh, it was important that all my brothers and sisters were there, but Jesus showed up because we showed up looking for him and wanting to worship him. So there's more power given when we are together. Jesus shows up. His presence is there when we gather together. And then here's one more. There's more power in prayer when we meet together. Now, there's a lot of power when you're right by yourself. You can get in your prayer closet and you can pray. And and there are many, many testimonies about what God has done for people who just got alone with God in their private prayer time. But according to the Bible, there's more power in prayer when we meet together. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And if they agree as touching a matter, you can find all of this in the 18th chapter of Matthew, And if they agree, they're together, they're in agreement, they're in one accord. If they agree on a matter, it will be done for them of our Father which is in heaven. Oh, there's more power. There's more of the presence of the Lord. There's more power in prayer. A few years back, my daughter and her husband and their family, they had been praying about something for a long, long time. They had been praying in their home. And they had been asking God for a breakthrough, and they just couldn't get it. And I won't ever forget, right down front here, I didn't even know they were coming. They came down front, they asked for a microphone, I gave it to them, and they shared that they were up against uh, a kind of a block wall, as it were, and they needed a breakthrough. And they shared with the church, and we came into agreement, and we prayed for them, and we prayed with them. And a prayer that they could not get through on their own. When the body joined in with them, when the body came into agreement, almost immediately God answered a miraculous prayer. And by the way, uh, for those of you who know my daughter, uh, Carolyn Lewis, and her husband, Lee Lewis, ask her to tell you the whole story. It's a pretty beautiful story. I just want you to know that there's more power, there's more of the presence of the Lord, there's more power in prayer. And, and these are not all, but I wanted to just give you some so that you would understand that Jesus put together his ecclesia, his gathering, his unique, supernatural, wonderful gathering. And when we gather together, oh, we have church. And that's absolutely awesome. I was reading in the Christian Post, and this is about Nigeria. And this really caught my attention. Nigeria alone accounted, now this was back, I think, in 2012. But Nigeria alone counted for over 60% of Christians killed globally that year. Of all the martyrdoms that took place on the planet that year, according to a UN report, 60% of those martyrdoms took place in one place, Nigeria. 
the persecution was unbelievable. The UN reported that churches with hundreds were being killed and tens of thousands were being displaced from their homes. One pastor that they interviewed, and they called him Reverend O, and they did that to protect his identity because he wanted to tell his story. He said, and I don't like to tell this story because it makes me cry, he admitted, but added that he thought it was important for us to hear. He continued that the Muslims had left their mosque and surrounded the church where they began stabbing and slashing at people with knives and committing all kinds of attacks. He said, we tried to gather up the children and let them out or or hide them or help them escape. Reverend O said his voice faltered and he was silent for a moment as tears rolled down his cheek. My daughter was among them. He cried. Then he asked, I think we have this, we can pull this up. Then he asked the people. So here's a pastor standing before his church. People are outside. People are literally being killed as he's speaking to his congregation. Then he asked the people, do you want me to close the service so you can escape? After pausing to remove his glasses and wipe his tear-filled eyes, Reverend O continued, This is how the congregation responded. They said to me, you taught us that Jesus is worth dying for. This may be our last communion. We will take it and die. Now here's what I want to ask you, church. Why would a group of people hold so sacred the assembling of themselves together? that they were willing to die rather than give that up. I can tell you because they knew that Jesus established the ecclesia, that it was his church. And they stayed and they worshiped. Now, don't get me wrong. Church, I believe what we're doing right now is right. I, I, you saw me with my mask on earlier. I believe what we're doing is right. I believe we should continue to cooperate with our government and our officials. I think it's a smart thing for us to do, and I think lives are being saved. There may come a time when we cannot cooperate with the government, but for now we can and we should. I kind of believe that this could be good for us as a congregation and as a nation It could remind us in this season when we can't get together. It can help us to remember how good it is, how sacred it is, how wonderful it is, how beautiful it is for us to meet together in the house of the Lord. It can create a longing within us and maybe help us never again to take for granted what God has given us, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So River of Life... If you feel like you're missing out on something right now, you are. You're missing out on one of the greatest experiences in the Christian life, and that is meeting together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. If there is a craving, if there is a longing, if there is a yearning within your heart for all this to be over and for us to be back together, then good. 
You should have that feeling. In fact, if you're not longing to be back with your church family, something's probably wrong with you. Even the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but come together, exhort one another. Uh, That's what the Bible teaches us. Listen, we're here, and there's nothing we can do about it right now. We've got to go through this. And I want to encourage you this morning, your faith, your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will sustain you. It will see you through. It will keep you. God's got his eyes on you. But I want to tell you, friends, when this thing is over, we will have church again. And it will be fruit basket turnover. It will be glory, hallelujah. It will be to God in the highest. It, it, it will be church on steroids. We, we're, there will be excitement in this house. I, I use that expression, church on steroids, because a couple of days ago I was praying and I felt like the Lord dropped that into my spirit, church on steroids. And I started thinking about a church being on steroids. And I remembered back a few years ago that I was sick. And when I say I was sick, I was sick. I, I was about as bad off as I could, I could have been. Had no idea what was wrong with me. My wife had to drive me to the doctor's office. And when I got there, they checked my ears, and they told me that both of my eardrums were collapsed. And they said it's rare that both that happens in both ears at the same time. And but they said, but, it, but that's what it is. And then the doctor came in, and this is what he said. He said, Pastor Jones, he said, we can give you a couple of steroid shots. He said, I'm going to give you two of the most powerful steroid shots that we're allowed to get. And he said, in a short time, you will feel better. And he said, but I want to know, do you want these shots? And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean do I want them? If it'll make me feel better almost instantly, yes. He said, well, what I didn't tell you is these shots are extremely painful. And I said, well, I don't care how painful they are. I said, I want these shots. Give me these steroid shots. He said he was going to give me two steroid shots. And, and, you know, I was strong. I can handle this. And that nurse came in the room. This always bothers me a little bit because she didn't say roll your sleeve up. She got around behind me. I'll let you fill in the details. But I'm going to tell you, when that nurse got me, I felt like I had been shot with a twenty-two rifle in both cheeks. I mean, that hurt. And then, and then I go back out. Excuse me. Then the doctor comes back in and the doctor says to me, and I was glad that was over with, but it didn't just quit hurting immediately. It was still hurting. He said, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, doc, as soon as I can get out of here, my wife will drive me home. I'm going straight home and I'm going to bed. And my doctor said, nope, you're not going to bed, Pastor Jones. You better find something to do. And he said, in fact, you may not sleep for 24 hours. He said, you're going to have more energy than you've had in years. And I want to tell you, about an hour later, I felt like Superman. I felt like I could leap over a tall building. I, 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 
I felt like I was bulletproof. I felt like I was 40 years younger. Man, that was like the best feeling I'd ever had. Now, I haven't been on many drugs in my lifetime, but boy, that was for the first time I understood why athletes take steroids. Now, I'm not promoting steroids. You can do your own reading. Continued use of them will, will cause a great deal of damage. But I'm telling you, I was thankful for the use of those steroids right at that moment. So now back to what I was saying a few days ago, I was praying and the Lord dropped that into my heart, a church on steroids. And I just couldn't get it off my mind. And I decided that I would do some, some research. And so I found out, this is going to blow you away now. I found out that the word steroids is in the New Testament. And there's a Greek verb, and it's called episterizo. There it is, steroids. Episterizo. It's used four times in the New Testament, and it contains the root from which we get our English word steroid. Well, that caught my attention, so I started looking up these four times that it's used. Listen to this. Every time the word steroids is used in the New Testament... It is a reference to the missionary team, Paul and his missionary team, going back to those churches that had been established that were young and weak, sometimes floundering, needing help, needing strength, needing encouragement. And Paul and his team goes back to these churches to revisit them, to give them Episterizo, episteroids, if you please. They went back to these churches to give them spiritual steroids to make them strong, empowered, transformed, courageous. Not just getting by, but being a church on steroids, strong and powerful, and accomplishing things for the glory of God. We use the expression on steroids. It's used to suggest a highly exaggerated, enhanced, or accelerated version of something. I'm asking you, church, isn't it time for us to see the church of Jesus Christ on steroids? Not weak, not sick, not anemic, not floundering, not just getting by. But isn't it time to see a church on spiritual steroids that's standing strong in the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't it time for us to see that? Maybe the Lord's giving us a little pause in time to get us ready for something like that. Somebody sent this prophecy to me. It was given back in 1986 by David Wilkerson that made me believe this just might be the time for the church to be on spiritual steroids. Listen to this. <clears throat> this is what David Wilkerson said back in 1986. I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, churches, and government will be shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. 
And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. I have to tell you, I for one, I hope that is a right now prophecy. I hope that takes place now. A great awakening will sweep America and the world. But in order for that to happen, we need a church on steroids. I'm just asking you, isn't it time for the church to be on spiritual steroids? Isn't it time for an exaggerated, enhanced, accelerated version of what Jesus established a long time ago? Now listen, I'm not talking about crazy, wild, out-of-control church that's given over to emotions. No, we've seen enough of that and it doesn't accomplish anything. I'm talking about a strong and stable and powerful and unstoppable church. I'm talking about a church that's reaching and conquering and winning and giving glory to God. A a, a church that cannot be ignored. I tell you, I long for that. And I know you do too. And I I really feel like this could be the season. I want to go back to one line of that prophecy by David Wilkerson. And here it is. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. I'm asking every member of River of Life right now. I'm asking every member of this church to take advantage of this time and to go into a time of personal repentance. To ask God to forgive you. To ask God to search your heart. To ask God to do a cleansing work in you. You see, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a, what a great promise we find in the Word of God. Uh, the, the Bible says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Uh, that scripture tells us that when there is repentance... The next thing in store is times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. The Bible lets us know that God wants all men everywhere to repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God wants. And i got to tell you, friends, just from what we read in the Bible, theologians sometimes can make it complicated, but repentance is not complicated. Jesus was dying on the cross. And there was a thief by him, a guilty sinner. And all he said to Jesus was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't give some beautiful prayer of repentance, but he was talking out of a repentant heart. And he said, remember me. And Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. And and I want to tell you, friends, Repentance is for the worst of us. I, I, I think the best of us need to repent, but it's also for the worst of us. According to the Bible, the people who are involved in the, in the worst sins 
can repent and be forgiven. One of the stories I like to talk about, you can find this in Revelation, the second chapter, is there's a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel was a wicked woman. She was guilty of gross immorality. And and not only that, listen to this. We think about Jezebel, we think about a worldly person. Jezebel was in the church. She was right inside the church. And not only was she an immoral woman, but according to the Bible, she was teaching the children of God to practice sexual immorality. She she was telling people in the church that it was all right to be involved in sexual sin, sexual immorality. I, I fear in my heart that we have way too many Jezebel men and Jezebel women in churches across America that are saying it's all right, God understands. No, friends, he doesn't. This woman was immoral. This woman was teaching immorality. She was encouraging the saints of God to rebel against God. What do you do with a Jezebel? You know what Jesus said? These are his very words. He said, I gave her time to repent. Even after she had done all that, Jesus said, I gave her time to repent. And it goes on to say that she did not repent, but nonetheless, think about the mercy and the grace and the compassion and how long-suffering our God is. He gave her time to repent. Uh, This past week, uh, just a few days ago, I had a dream, and it was a weird dream. It's not the kind of dream you want to have, but in my dream, I saw people doing all kinds of immoral and ungodly and perverted, unspeakable things in my dream. I saw it, and uh, things that the Bible condemns, and the Bible calls sin, and then I was just there watching it, and then I heard a voice. And the voice I heard in my dream said, it's not too late. Oh, friends, you talk about the grace of God. You talk about the glory of God. You you talk about a forgiving, compassionate God. Now, one day it will be too late, but I believe God gave me that dream so I'd stand before you today and tell somebody, it's not too late. A dear sister in our church that we all love and appreciate, Sister Betty Fusco, called me just a few days ago, and she said God had given her a word for me. And the word was, preach to one. Preach to one person. When you get up Sunday, say what you've got to say, but preach to one person. And I received that word. What I'm about to say may not apply to many, maybe even most. But I speak to one person. If there's sin in your life, friends, this is not a time to be flippant about it. If there's ungodliness, you can't be casual about this. Listen, listen, it's not too late. God has given you, I believe with all my heart, that with God giving me that dream and with Betty Fusco calling me and now with me standing here and if you're listening right now 
then with confidence, I want to tell you, it's not too late. God has given you time to repent. God's given you space to repent. And, and, and I'm asking you to take advantage of this time. Now, here's what I want to say in closing. If we do this, if River of Life heeds the message of your senior pastor, and I feel in my heart you will. You've, you've followed my leadership for so long, even when I didn't deserve it. But if you follow my leadership and we designate this time, of course we're praying for our nation. Of course we're praying for the eradication of this virus. We're, we're praying that God's hand uh, will be upon the nation and bring relief. But here we are. We're going through this. If we will take this time as a time of personal repentance, take it seriously, get before the Lord, do what we should do, and I'm telling you, when we gather together again, and we are prayed up, and we've been through personal repentance, we've been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I love that song. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. When, when we come back together, if we're prayed up, if we've been through personal repentance, if we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, there will be a fresh wind blowing in this house like we've never, ever seen before. This will be a church on steroids. We'll be thanking God for what we've been through. We'll be thanking God for where we are. We'll be thanking God for what He's about to do. We'll be thanking God for church. So here's what I want to do. I want to lead you in a word of prayer. And I don't care if your sin is small and maybe you've been told it's insignificant or your sin is one that you believe God can't forgive. I want to tell you, he's given you space. He's given you time. And it's not too late. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. And I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. And then when I finish praying, then we'll, we'll pull up a screen, and it'll be up for a while. Uh, I'd like, if you need help, you can call any one of these numbers. You can share with us a decision you've made or just ask us to pray with you. But I want you to bow with me right now. Would you please bow with me in prayer? Would you begin the process right now? I'm going to pray this with you, and you're just going to begin the process, and you're going to go into a season of repentance. And i got to tell you, it's going to make all the difference in the world when this dynamic uh, body of Christ gets back together. Here it is. Pray these words. If, if, if there are people in the living room with you and you don't want to pray it out loud, just pray it in your heart. But pray these words. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. Remember, it's not your words. It's your heart. One more time. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that wonderful and holy and blessed name before which one day heaven and earth will bow, 
I ask you right now to bless the fellowship of River of Life and all who are listening in today. I pray, Father, that your hand of mercy and grace will not just be upon us, but your people throughout the world. We pray, Father, that if it could be found in your will, that this thing that we're going through could be resolved quickly so we can be back together. I ask, Father, that your rich blessings and protection will be upon all of our members, that the angels of the Lord, those ministering spirits, will be around every family of River of Life Church. I pray, Father, if there is a need, that you'll help us to minister to one another. I pray, Father, that you will use this week the devotions that Brother Bill will be sending out, our prayer time, our repentance, to get us ready for next Sunday, Easter Sunday, for communion with you and the Lord's Supper. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. I look forward to seeing you again. Brother Bill's already mentioned it, but we will be celebrating communion next Sunday. So get the supplies if you can. And like I say, if you can't, then bread and water will do. We laughed as a staff. Jesus turned water into wine one time before. You can do it again. So this is not about the ingredients. It's about your heart. God bless you, River of Life. And call one of these numbers if we can help you. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.